everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, typically one of, nope, all of us each brings a fic to discuss. <laughs> Just one. We take turns It's not the birthday episode yet. <laughs> no, usually we all bring fics. This time we all brought the same fic. It was super awkward. I saw both of my co-hosts at the fic store and we were all in line and we were like holding the same thing. I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? But we figured because it's so long and it is what you could consider to be a fandom classic that we could discuss just this one fic for this episode. So, Reed, will you tell us what fic we're talking about? Yes, as the foremost Trekkie of the group, I would love to. <laughs> we are talking about Switch um, for Star Trek 2009, alternate original series. Um, it is written by, I think last time Nick pronounced this author's name as Ceres Libera, so that's what I'm going to go with as well. Um, it is Kirk Bones. It is a, a whopping 230,000 words, which is You longer. feel everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a negative thing, but you do. Oh, um, all three of your co-hosts underestimated how many words that was. Um, this was published on AO3 in 2011, but from the formatting, it seems like it was cross-posted. I don't know if it was on like FF.net or something first. I am the absolute worst person you could have tossed this to because of the three of us, I'm the only one who hadn't read it before the pod. So <laughs> I tell us more about Switch. And I was not in Star Trek fandom, so I cannot speak to its impact. But, but Brenna sure can. Sure, I can certainly try. Um, <laughs> I feel like Star Trek is one of the fandoms where I'm a little bit less certain about certain fics, like positionality within sort of the... Mm, like the the fan fiction canon mm -hmm. <laughs> um in in the sense of like a canon being a collection of works not like the original text of a thing um but i do know that this is a very popular fic i think it is one of the top probably kirk and bones fics i don't know if it's one of just the top star trek 2009 fics because a lot of those are probably taken those bots are probably taken by Kirk Spock fix. Um, I would have to like fact check myself on that, but I I think that that's probably my gut feeling. Um, but I mean, it is quite popular regardless. It does have um, three thousand kudos and uh, fifteen hundred bookmarks, which is impressive um, to say the least. Um, Especially on the bookmarks front. Wow. I was just it's looking at those numbers. <laughs> that is a great um, ratio. So I don't remember exactly when I first read this. <laughs> um, sometime in my in my time in Star Trek fandom, which was stretched out over many years, I honestly was like too young to be in fandom when this movie first came out. So I kind of got into fandom through like alternate avenues and then discovered there was a big fandom for Star Trek and like specifically for the like alternate original series the like reboot movies um 
and was like, wow, this fan fiction slaps. I love these movies. This is wonderful. And then I read a lot of it over many years, um, which is very good. I also recommended it to Nick and they also read it at one point. Um, I suppose I should tell you a little bit about what Switch is about before we like get into more of our reading experiences with it. Um, we will get into like a larger probably summary along with our main discussion, but just sort of an overview is that this is a fic that basically begins with uh, Bones and Kirk arriving to the Starfleet Academy in San Francisco um, at the very beginning of their first year, um, and then follows them through their years at the Academy, through the events of the first reboot movie, and sort of wraps up sort of after that before they like kind of go back out uh, into space and like any subsequent movies. Um, it is quite canon compliant to the first movie, but extends far beyond the scope of it and like really broadens the universe out, including many OCs, much like world building in terms of like the Academy um, and just like Starfleet in general. It's a really rich world that this author has built for this story. Um, and it takes its time kind of pacing us through, especially their first two years at the Academy, introducing us to a number of OCs and people who will later become really important uh, to our character stories. If you haven't seen the Star Trek 2009 film and you're interested in maybe doing so, but you're also the kind of person who likes book-to-movie adaptations, you could <laughs> read Switch first and then watch the movie, and then you can have all your opinions about what they cut out of Switch in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead of the other way around, I think that could be fun. So, Ficklets, if this sounds like an interesting experiment, I think you should try it out. Because um, there are definitely some plot lines that don't get a lot of attention in the movie. Um, some! The, yeah, the movie doesn't pick up until, like, <laughs> where the, like, movie picks up in this fic, I think, is maybe, like, halfway through chapter two, which at that point is a solid, like, 120k! Yeah, you would have a lot well, of opinions. Yeah, imagine they cut all of that out of the movie, Reed, it's come really on! Wild. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's really like Sarius Libra books. like must not have been sort of part of the planning process mm. of the movie like must have gotten like cut out there because like yeah it really just feels disrespectful to switch that's what happens when the author doesn't co-write the screenplay this is actually yeah. a cautionary tale like <laughs> why did I not get extended scenes of bones riding a horse in Georgia yeah I mean I genuinely seriously. <laughs> I actually would have wanted that yeah, yeah. I feel like there's very few things that could have improved the 2009 movie for me because I consider it one of my favorite movies ever and have seen it probably the most of any movie ever. But a scene of Bones riding a horse in Georgia at some point in it would have been an absolutely like a flashlight choice. <laughs> well, okay, maybe early on, like, you know, when Pike's like recruiting Kirk at like the space dock and stuff, we could just also have a quick um what's Christian scene <laughs> like from bones because like we see like a little bit of like kirk's childhood we see a little bit of spocks like he, we yeah. could have just gotten like a little bit of like it could be bones. like a split screen of yeah. like Ooh. kirk running away from someone that he punched <laughs> and then bones on a horse <laughs> it could be young kirk in the scene where he's like driving the stolen car before uh -huh, he's yeah, flinging yeah. off the cliff but split screen is uh bones riding a horse <laughs> yeah 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 I also think, like, if they weren't um, willing to commit to this full flashback, what they should have just done is, in the background of every scene that Bones is in, have a hollow where he's riding a horse. It would have been one of those, like, true fans will spot it. They'll spot oh. the Easter egg. Instead of the heart rate Absolutely. on the heart rate monitor, it's, like, line art <laughs> animation. 8-bit Bones riding a horse. 
Uh, yeah. JJ, what were you doing? Well, technology in, in my the future life. is amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I do. Can I share one gripe I have with this story before we start fully talking about it? That's mostly just yes. about Star Trek in general. One thing about Star Trek in general, and also this fic and much of Star Trek fic, the future is not branded enough. They have all these like, <laughs> oh, like Latin inspired names. Like he looked at his chrono, whatever. I'm like, no, that's branded. It's all branded. <laughs> Everything is brands. Um, so Star Trek authors, I encourage you to explore this in the future. I know the movies can't do it uh, for legal reasons, but you can. Yeah. Yeah. Although it could be like what survived World War Three, like Pepsi. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pringles. Pringles. Oh, Pringles, absolutely. Pringles, yeah. Yeah. Rolex. So, like, <laughs> if they ever make that fourth Star Trek movie with this cast, like, I'm expecting some Pringles in there. Okay. You know what um, would be great for us personally? Squeezy Applesauce Partnership. Yes, absolutely. Like, Squeezy Applesauce seems like an ideal space food. Like, what are they oh doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Bones being really, like, stressed about something. He, like, angrily grabs a little squeezy pouch of applesauce. Then yes. leaves it in yeah. his friend's fridge. I, <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I feel like, okay, is Bones the funniest character who could eat a squeezy applesauce out of Star Trek cast? Uh, Spock. It's gotta be Spock. I think Spock would... I don't know. Bones is... Can I pitch Uhura? They should eat them together. <gasps> Spock, Uhura, and Bones all silent in a room eating squeezy applesauce. You know, like, not to be sort of bringing back old fandom references, but you know when the first Avengers movie came out and everyone talked about the shawarma scene? Yeah. yeah. I feel like the end of a Star Trek movie should probably have the equivalent, but they're all just eating squeezy applesauce. No, you are so right. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Thank you for hearing my pitch. I was just taking a look at the sort of main tag for the Star Trek AOS movies on AO3 and like sorting by bookmarks and stuff. Yeah, I think if we were going to do one of the even sort of quote bigger fix in the fandom, we'd probably have to do like a sequence that you never learned or like So Wise We Grow, uh, which like there's one. so many that slap, <laughs> but like, yeah, the Spurk fix just automatically also gets so much more traction, kudos and bookmarks than like a Kirk Bones fic. I like both. I mean, I am I am a Spurkster at heart, but like Switch is an amazing fic, so everyone should read it. <laughs> I like. I don't know why I read it the first time I did. I mean, Brenna, I, don't know why I you love did you. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I love your recommendations, but I didn't read all of them. Why was the 230,000 word Kirk slash Bones fic the one that I was like, yes, this is what I'm going to be reading? I read all of it. I then read this like sequels or whatever that are much shorter. I was in undergrad still, I think. It was years mm-hmm. ago. Um, absolutely wild. Maybe it was because very, very soon before you and I met for the first time in person, I watched two of the AOS movies. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, Kirk on the brain, if you will. But I really don't know. I don't... Um... It's a mystery. I was like, wow, I was rereading it. And I was like, I have read this. This is wild. <laughs> Maybe out of the fix I gave you, you just looked for which one was the longest and then you just read that Maybe. one. Maybe. <laughs> I cannot believe how clownish all three of us were about this word count. Like, 
we've been reading a bunch of books together with um, Friend of the Pod, Avery Tree for Book Club. And in my head, I was kind of equating some of the stuff that we'd been reading with the length of the, like A Memory Called Empire, right? Like that to me felt like Great a pretty book. dense, like, a phenomenal book, but like a dense, weighty space opera book. I was like, great, Switch is going to be probably similar. It will take a similar amount of time to read it. No, all of the books we've been reading, The Locked Tomb, the Texclon series, they're all like, I don't know, approximately like 140K-ish in that realm. This? Oh my god. I, I was mean, reading Nick- Switch for like eight hours straight yesterday. That's not an exaggeration. I was like lying on my bed reading Switch and going, wow, I'm still reading Switch. Here I go. Oh, I'm still in chapter, and I'm still in chapter one. But like, yeah. again, mm-hmm. I think chapter one is literally like 80K. Yeah. Like, no wonder it took me a long time to get through. <laughs> and again, like you said at the beginning, Nick, like, it's not, I'm not saying this in a bad way. Like, it's not like, oh, no, this was a miserable slog. Not in any way, but like. She's long. I, yeah, I texted this to you guys yesterday, but I was like, the it's always sunny, like title card meme, but it's like the gang underestimates a word count <laughs> by like a significant margin. <laughs> Um, uh, Brenna, I think you you found the comparison that it's similar length to Priory of the Orange Tree, which is like... <laughs> yeah, because we were all standing in a bookstore last weekend and we were like, oof, we really want to read Priory, but like, look how long it is. Like, oh my god, what an undertaking. Can we even when do it? When I have time? And it's like, oh, well, we basically just read the equivalent of it in between one and three days, depending on who you are out of the three of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> So I think we can read Priory, no problem. We'll be fine, yeah. <laughs> um, before we move on to our actual discussion, since we are talking about book club, I told you both I prepared a little activity for you. Yes. Um, I'd once again like to shout out Friend of the Pod Avery Tree, both for me taking this idea from them and for their assistance. Hello, my friends. I prepared a vocab quiz for you all. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I get to be a, revealed to be Uh-oh. the clown that I am on pod. Oh. So yes, something yeah, that Avery, something that Avery has done in our recent book clubs uh, that really surprised us all the first time was showing up with a vocab quiz. Um, I pulled a lot of words that I did not know in this fic, but for the sake of a better listening experience, I've cut it down to I think just like six. Um, so I am gonna share with you both a little PowerPoint so you can also oh, look at things. I I, okay. I ask that you just sort of Are go these like, like medical terms. I didn't read any. Okay, of you those. just just go one word at a time. It's gonna be totally fine. Yeah. Where am I putting <laughs> I have this? Anxiety read. Why did you give us a pop quiz? Thankfully, because my MD is gonna help me. Do I need a pen? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. No. <laughs> I'll I don't know. Track. Write down my answers. Oh sure. Okay. I'll, I'll keep track for you out. both. All right. Great. Oh okay. Number one, I feel good about. Yeah, number one. Oh, and if I pronounce any of these wrong, mm, whatever. Uh, prognosticator. Uh, so we have A, a person who foretells or prophes- prophesies a future event. B, a leader who makes use of popular prejudices and false claims and promises in order to gain power. C, a person with sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past. And D, a person who often avoids committing oneself in what one says. Do we both answer or do we like try and buzz in first? Ooh, I I think you both just answer, but okay. Do, do we want? I I could count you guys down. You can sure. shout it out. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Three, two, one. A A. Okay. <laughs> Different levels of confidence on that one, but you are both are correct. The answer was A, a person who foretells or prophecies a future event. Yes. Um, I'm frequently asked to do prognosis work. <laughs> right. That's why I was guessing, because I know what prognosis means, but like... Nailed it. Uh-oh. Great. Okay. What is this? <laughs> no, it's Boilermaker. Everyone knows what this is. It's either... 
does anyone know what this is aren't there like suits like aren't, aren't sometimes the like jumpsuit thing is called like boiler maker You've suits also got, or like, something boilerplate stuff all right let me read out that. the options Uh-oh. <laughs> a an electrosurgical generator that uses electrical currents to cut tissue and control bleeding b a glass of beer mixed with a shot of whiskey C, a rocket that uses a single chemical as its propellant, most commonly hydrazine, or D, a large, slow type of workhorse used for pulling loads. What? Okay, I have my guess. Don't I, know. I don't have an answer, but I have I a guess. guess I All do right. too. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. B. A? <laughs> Congratulations to Brenna! It is a glass of beer mixed is with it? a shot of whiskey! Yeah. Wow. I thought that I would have known what that was called. It probably has different names. Yeah, it it might. Um, I was looking at Boilermaker. There's like different terms for it in the UK, but in the US, it almost always refers to that exact type of shot, which is they drink beer and whiskey a bunch in this fic. My best work. That's okay. All right. Question three. Disquisition. A, a period of prolonged and intensive questioning or investigation. B, a long or elaborate essay or discussion on a particular subject. C, a partition in a part or organ, or D, a studied display of real or pretended feelings. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me look I, at that I again. know I know one that it's not, and that's all I've got here. <laughs> I know one that it's not, and which word is the one that you were trying to confuse <laughs> us with for it, but that's all I've got. Okay, I think I know what Nick's um, <laughs> referring to. Okay, I, I once again have I'm a guess, wrong, but not an answer. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, D. C. Wow, and both are wrong. <laughs> um, if you're thinking that A is Inquisition, yes, that one came from Avery. Um, Excellent. It's B, a longer elaborate essay or discussion on a particular subject. I huh. think maybe this came about when Bones was talking about his thesis. I don't remember the context for, that would make sense. for most of these, to be honest. Yeah, never seen that in me life. Well, I've seen it twice reading Switch, but aside from that... <laughs> All right, next one. Mellifluous. A, the quality of having a ready insight into things, shrewdness. B, sudden and dramatic. C, a sweet or musical sound. D, modest or shy because of a lack of self-confidence. Can I ask a question? Sure. Does the definition match the part of speech of the word? Like, if the definition seems to be for a different part of speech, should I assume that it's wrong? Or could it still be correct? I tried to match part of speech, but not all of them okay. worked that I way. I don't know how to phrase that, that kind better. Because my brain ignores that kind of thing. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm using everything no, I've I mean, got that was here. Very smart, Nick. Yeah, I, I don't know how to. Hmm. I'm now more. I confused. tried to match part of speech as best as I as I could, but that wasn't always applicable. What? That's the best way I'll say What's that. That mean okay. <laughs> all right. Do, do you have your guess? I guess. I have a guess. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. C. C. I had the yeah. same guess. Okay, nice. That's why I was getting confused, because I thought it was C, but that seemed wrong based on the fact that it seemed to be describing a noun. Okay. All right. Mordant. That's how I'm going to pronounce this one. Mordant. A. Having or showing a sharp or critical quality. Biting. B. A substance that combines with a dye or stain and thereby fixes it in a material. C. A streamlined housing or tank for something on the outside of an aircraft or motor vehicle, or D, an unprincipled person, often used humorously or affectionately. Okay, are we ready? Yes. I guess. <laughs> Three, I don't two, know this word. one, go. A. A. Okay, you both are <laughs> correct. Correct. Yes. And also, the part of the reason for my weirdness in the answer to the last question, B is also correct. 
So the adjective is like a sharp or critical quality, but the noun is a substance, typically an inorganic oxide, that combines the diastane and thereby fixes it to material. Inorganic I understand now. I am nearly positive that it was used as A, but I was like, it could have been B, I guess, with the like KFF shirts or whatever. Like, I was like, it could have been... But I, th- I think it was used. Oh, yeah, because the shirts were dyed. Interesting. Cause, okay. Because the shirts had the little, had were stained and stuff. Yes. So it's both. And it, yeah. Read. Multiple parts of speech. <laughs> so I okay, just okay. saw the last one. Uh, Are you kidding well, me? Well, yeah. Listen. Is so this a joke? I, well, okay, here's the thing is I thought I might trick you guys with the fact that there are two correct answers. So I wanted to give you a real softball on the last question. All of question. these are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Real, listen, real softball for the last question. Real easy to wrap this up. <clears throat> Great, my pronunciations are going to be so good with this one. Vastus medialis, uh, a a muscle present in the anterior compartment of thigh, of thigh. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be of the thigh, but oh well. <laughs> B a superficial forearm muscle located in the lateral forearm. C the chief muscle of the calf leg, which flexes the knee and foot. Or D a small U-shaped solitary bone situated in the midline of the neck, anteriorly at the base of the mandible and posteriorly at the fourth cervical vertebra. What? Wow. Oh, Crushed it. it. Like this. I said that so easily. Yeah, you've got this. All right. Three, two, one, go. D. Day. <laughs> Congratulations, Brenna. Winner of this quiz. No. <laughs> Both correct here. And Congrats. also, you already got you got one correct that Nick didn't. So Right. Yes. That's true. I got the Boilermaker one. <laughs> well now, done. The well Boilermaker done. one I did feel confident about. This one I did not. I was guessing based Nothing. on the scene where... I don't even know if this is the right medical spot, but, like, Kirk had the kind of, like, Charlie oh, horse yeah. in his leg or whatever. I feel like there's muscles mentioned there. I was just I don't remember any time a spine. Oh, I guess the spine them. could have been for Pike. Yes, all of these were pulled from the fic. Um, mm. When I saw other medical phrases, I just pulled them out and searched them and put them as a definition Smart. for this. So, yeah, Brutal. we had, ooh, brachioradialis, gastrocnemius, and the hyoid bone. Hyoid Yeah, bone. my brain just skipped those words entirely. I should reading. get bonus points for the confidence with which I got two of them correct, though. Well, and with, for the confidence which, with, with which you got some of them incorrect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Which I think evens <laughs> out to Brenna still winning. Congratulations, Brenna! Congratulations, you won this Thank you! Wow. Dr. Brenna. Yeah! She's back. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Reed. Yeah, of course. Thank you wow. both for... Why did you have time well, to do this? I thought about it last night as I kept Googling some words, um, messaged Avery to get some help. <laughs> I was like, how do you come up with all your fake definitions? Um, and then just as I was reading today, just kept pulling stuff. And then because I had mm. so many words that I wasn't using in the quiz, I was like taking the uh, definition of words that I wasn't using and using them here. It helped. Uh, I see. Didn't have a lot that of time, sense. but I was determined. Well, good job. Thank you. There are 230,867 words in Switch. There were at least a few that neither of us knew. (laughs) But we can discuss the rest of them with ease. Let's talk about Switch. Alright, so Switch, a 230k fic by Saris Libera. Um, the summary reads, The Life and Times of Leonard H. McCoy, MD slash PhD. That's, yeah, that that gets you there. <laughs> it also says, A Starfleet Academy story set in the STXI universe. 
So yes, as I mentioned in the intro, this is a very long fan fiction broken up into sort of three parts. Um, you could even think of them as like three separate books in some ways if you're taking the word count uh, <laughs> into um, account. But it basically follows uh, Bones, but also Kirk through most of it. Um, but we're in Bones' POV. Um, also, if, if you're completely unfamiliar with Star Trek, Bo- Bones is Leonard McCoy, <laughs> aka at times in this fic, Leo. Um, I will say it threw me for I have heard him reference as like McCoy and maybe even like Leonard and like obviously Bones it took me a little bit into chapter one to, I was like oh Leo is Leo is Bones Leo is Bones that's our POV character mm-hmm. does anyone call him Leo in the movies I don't know hmm. potentially um I'm not sure but like I think it's kind of that thing that we've all encountered in other fandoms too where it's like once you're in their head what are they kind of calling themselves and like what do people call them and everything it like it broadens it more um, and so much of our experience with Bones in the movies is, like, in his role as, like, CMO, chief medical officer on the Enterprise, where he's, like, Dr. McCoy or Bones. Yes. So this this fic follows uh, Bones as they get to the Academy um, through their years at the Academy, through the events of the first movie, and then the aftermath of it, as I said before. The first sort of chapter is largely focused on their first year at the academy the next chapter goes through sort of their secondary year um i don't like i guess their secondary and third years i guess i got a little bit confused about that because we lose a bunch of time due to an illness that mccoy has um that like skips us over a bunch of time but that chapter covers a bigger like a bigger swath of time And then chapter three is the second half of the movie and sort of the aftermath of it as written by this author. Um, It also involves Kirk and Bones falling in love. Wow, it is a shippy fic. It's incredibly slow burn. Um, I mean, there's a ton of pining, but like it's it's slow burn, baby. It's the slowest of burns (laughs) um, in many ways. And there are many relationships being had by our main characters with other mostly OCs, but occasionally canon characters um, throughout this as they sort of wind their paths eventually together. Um, Before we get into like our sort of feelings about it, we also do have some content warnings for it. It is tagged pretty minimally on AO3, um, but it does have some rather explicit material. Um, So would one of you like to share those with our uh, listeners? Sure. Uh, Yeah, so I will say this didn't feel like a very heavy fic, but it deals with quite a few very heavy themes. Um, And because the fic is so long, even some of the themes that present a bit more minimally throughout the fic might still show up for like 20 to 30, 40,000 words because there's just so much ground to cover. Um, Our main ones are going to be a lot of death. Um, A lot of characters die in this fic, some of them die canonically, some of them are original characters that this author created that then later die. Um, Character death is just a major factor, and it is very kind of like canon typical uh, to what we see in that first movie where there just is a lot of death that happens. Um, Along with that, there are canon typical uh, depictions of violence, graphic depictions of violence and injuries and illness. There's some kind of graphic medical stuff or in Bones' head and he is a doctor. We see him performing surgery. We also see him get very sick at one point. Um, There's no major character death. Uh, Bones and Jim. Bones and Kirk. Bork. (laughs) Uh, They're fine (laughs) throughout this fic. Uh, As are most if not all of the the main characters you're kind of familiar with from the film. 
Um, in Kirk's backstory in this fic, he was living on Tarsus Four. So this is a major part of like Star Trek lore. If you're not familiar, um, Tarsus Four basically deals with torture, eugenics, starvation, child abuse, genocide. It's very, very dark. It's very heavy. Um, Kirk makes it out, but he is one of very few people of his kind of like original cohort of humans living there that actually does. So Bones learns about this over a period of time and the backstory it's shown kind of like as trauma in kirk but it's also shown more explicitly of bones like reading news reports and testimonies and things and learning more about tarsus four there is also parent death um there is quite a bit of parent death some of it canonical some of it not so much um the main one that we'll highlight here in the content warnings is that bones's father dies before the beginning of this fic he does reflect on it a few times um his father is quite sick of an illness, a terminal illness that Bones is not able to find the cure for, um, and he does assist with his father's suicide. There's a lot of complex grieving and guilt that comes after that, so that's a bit heavy, just FYI. Uh, And now we're getting into some of the ones that are either a bit less prevalent, maybe a bit less heavy, but are still present um, and are referenced at least a few times throughout here. Um, There is the kind of mentioned sexual assault of a cadet that gets brought up a few times. There are homophobic slurs. Um, They kind of reclaim the slurs within the fic, but initially it is very much like homophobia. Um, There's a lot of alcohol consumption happening, not in a way that is meant to imply. I think that any of our characters are struggling with alcoholism specifically or like substance addiction, but they do drink a lot. Um, and that is very entrenched within the culture of Starfleet, it seems like. So that's another piece. I think that's the bulk of it. Um, we have some other stuff we'll touch on and talk about as we go on. Um, but again, because this fic is so intense and also sticks so closely to the canon and is so long, um, that was a long list. I hope it wasn't too terribly scary. Like I said, I think that, um, a lot of these topics are handled well, and a lot of them are also handled primarily through memory, reflection, conversations, and show up a bit less graphically on the page. I will also just mention, for the Tarsus 4 stuff, um, just sort of in general, it does exist pretty minorly in the canon of the original series show. It has been built out much more so by fanon. So if you're familiar with it from Star Trek fan- fandom, like you're familiar with it, if you're like, oh, maybe I want to like prepare myself by going and reading about it online, you won't find a whole lot. It's it's deeply entrenched in fanon and like fandom presentations of Kirk, but much less so in like official Star Trek content. Just an FYI. Well, we got into some of this um, t- two question mark three episodes ago when Brenna brought a mm-hmm. Star Trek fic, and then you were like, "And when we read Switch," and then we were like, "I guess we're reading Switch now." Um, but I part of that we- was last episode. It was definitely not last episode because that was the Halloween episode. Two two episodes ago, I meant. The last episode that was not the last one is what I meant. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, what we had been talking about sort of in that discussion, what feels so present here is, like, I don't know, with, like, especially with, like, Kirk and the Tarsus stuff is, like, if he doesn't have trauma, then he's just sort of, like cocky arrogant like oh he's so good at everything he's a genius he's skilled he had a great like his dad was this big hero and it's like i fully understand fandom wanting to be like okay but 
there is some gritty stuff in his past and what if we really dig into it and expand that like it makes so much sense to me that Tarsus 4 is something that fandom sort of built out um and then for Bones too because we're in his POV like Nick said like that was a long list of content warnings and it's some pretty heavy content but like I think because a lot of it is memory and reflection even when it is tough and difficult even when Bones is like ruminating in how his past experiences have shaped him and the trauma and the grief that he carries it never felt like overwhelming it felt like it helped shape his character like I understood why his character made certain decisions that he did why he was the way he was and why he held the beliefs and values that he did but it never felt like I was mired in wow everything is so miserable yeah I mean something I find like particularly funny about this with uh, sort of people writing in the AOS universe is that those movies gave Kirk even more trauma than he had in like the original <laughs> TV series like in the original TV series he like has a like we assume has like a pretty happy stable like home life he has both parents like everything with his dad and like the Kelvin and everything like doesn't happen in that series um and obviously I mean he endures trauma like being a Starfleet captain um it's not an easy job but you know, then you go to AOS and it's like, okay, what if like we make the day of his birth like the worst thing that could have possibly happened um, and something that he's going to have to like live with forever. And we make sort of like this whole thing about Pike being like, your dad did this great thing, but I know you can do even better because I'm going to like use your trauma against you, James Kirk, because I need you as a Starfleet officer. <laughs> um, and then fandom was like, ah, yeah, like that's good and that's compelling. And we like this boy. But, hmm, <laughs> like, what if we give him more? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, like, I think it I think it pays off most of the time. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think Kirk is a character who works very well when you give him a lot of trauma in his backstory. Um, and like, also, I think it like it's one of those things that if you want to blurbify like a random white guy, Sometimes you have to write things in that sort of excuse some of their behaviors. Um, <laughs> that, that's a that's a fandom classic trait, I would say. Um, and I think that's exactly what happens with Kirk sometimes. Not that he like does terrible things in any like sense compared to like some fandom Lorbos <laughs> who are like literally the, the villains. Um, which like whatever you can you can blurbify a villain. Like I'm not trying to get into that discussion right now, but. Kirk like, is our hero. He is generally, like, a good guy. But, you know, he also has his sort of, like, quote-unquote, like, playboy-ness and stuff. And people like to, like, kind of write in this stuff from his... Into his backstory to sort of excuse away some... Be or, like, not excuse necessarily, but, like, explain away behaviors. Um, I think that's Pro very common. Provides more, like, nuance and depth. Yeah, and to, like, make it understandable to us as readers in a way where we can still really root for him. Um... And like maybe even root for him in part because of those things and not like in spite of them. I don't know if this is making sense. I mean, I think in this fic, as you mentioned, wow, is it the slowest of slow burns? Jesus Christ. And even when like some things are progressing forward, other things are very much not. And Kirk has like a lot of trauma and like he's a lot of hesitation around the idea of like, love or like caring about someone mm -hmm. and like being attached to someone in a in somewhat of a permanent way um and there is a bit where he quite literally just runs away from bones where like things start to get intimate and not even in the physical way although a little bit that but just like 
it is becoming harder and harder to ignore the reality of how they both feel about each other. And Kirk runs for like weeks. Like he ghosts Bones for like over a month, I think. And I don't know. I think in another fic, I would have been way more annoyed by it. I think because of the length of this fic, it's like, ah, he's gone for a month, but that's like, that's nothing. And also like, yeah, I mean, as you were just saying about uh, not explaining away, but sort of explaining, I guess, some of his like behaviors and whatnot. It was a little bit easier to be like, okay, well, both we as a reader and Bones as a character know why Kirk is doing this. Like, he is very aware of sort of the sensitive parts that he's like pushing on with Kirk, the ways in which he's like emotionally pushing him and like knows that Kirk is kind of flighty. Like, it's not surprising to him. It sucks. It's miserable. But I think it it made that a little more tolerable because I don't. I don't know. Sometimes when a character is like, mm, instead of dealing with things, I'm just going to leave for a while. I'm like, that sucks. That's such an annoying form of miscommunication. But this didn't really feel like that because it wasn't miscommunication. It was like attachment read. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, I don't hate it. Sometimes it's fine and fic, but I think it can be. Sometimes it can just feel like, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it doesn't make me like that character very much or like that choice versus here. It fully made sense, I think, for the character, for Jim to like have done that. Yeah, I once again, I'm thinking about the context 2020, 2020 panel that I co-moderated on Womp and Hurt Comfort and specifically about masculinity and vulnerability. This is also bringing me back to discussions of uh, Wander the Wild Whereby that we've had about like Sylvain um, and violence and vulnerability. And that all feels super relevant here, um, particularly with Kirk, but with Bones as well. These like experiences of loss and of pain and of violence that are almost this crucible for character, but that also open up these vulnerabilities later on for authors to like work with and play around in. Like there is something really interesting, I think, about like deconstructions of masculinity when we're looking at emotionality. Um, what does it take for this particular man who like sees himself as a womanizer, who like is wants to take on this leadership role, who's kind of cocky? Like, what does it take for that guy to then be able to engage in the kinds of conversations and relationships that Fick really likes to center? And I think it takes quite a lot. And so I'm always interested, yeah, in the ways in which authors are leveraging different evocations of vulnerability if you will um iterations of like pain and how those things i don't know there's something really interesting about this idea that like the things that we go through and the things that hurt us are often the things that make us very human um and you also get this shadow of grief of wow like in another universe and this is an echo of uh, original series and also just i think a very real way to think about somebody um bones looking at kirk and thinking like in a different universe in a different world where things had gone differently he would be so happy um and getting to emote and feel around that particular kind of grief as well i just think all of that is really well executed here there are so many echoes of possibility and there are also so many grounded moments of like how how could he behave any differently um from both bones but especially in kirk in this fic i mean not to be like on my same bullshit as always (laughs) when we talk about fics that are science fiction based um but like I feel like those exact sort of questions of like sort of this possibility and especially when like, I mean, in this very much literally like this concept of multiverses is introduced. But I think just 
in general, humanity often equates sort of like looking up to the stars and looking out to space as this concept of like possibility and what exists out there and these other things that could be waiting for us. Um, we also very much get that from uh, the journals of Bones's great grandfather, Horatio, at times in this. Um, and then also just like, I think all science fiction fundamentally has a study of what it means to be human. <laughs> and like, Star Trek has that at its core as a piece of media, like since the very beginning of the original series, um, I think like that has been a question that it's like looking to ask is like what does it mean to be human and like when we introduce all of these like alien characters like how do we find these common threads of quote-unquote humanity between us all um I think that's something that's in every Star Trek you know adaptation and fic for the large part too um and so I just like I don't know I think I think like this is definitely a fic that because of its nature of being in the Star Trek universe, of being in the science fiction universe, of even having like literally canonical multiverse really opens the door for sort of that exploration of like, how do we both look at the what ifs and then also find ourselves in the present? And like, what do we do with that present? What do we do with what we've actually been given? Um, I think especially for like Bones and Kirk, it's like, and once they like encounter... I'm going to call him Ambassador Spock, um, the old, old, old Spock, Spock played by Leonard Nimoy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and have this realization that there are these other universes where things were m maybe in some ways like easier in their lives. But like, how do you not dwell on that? And how do you look for the good and what you do have currently, even though like, you have these piles of trauma and shit that have happened? Um, yeah, I don't know. Bren, some of what you were just saying about what it means to be human, etc. That whole thing was making me think about something that Pike says fairly late-ish in the fic, where he's sort of not pitching Starfleet, but I don't know. He's talking about like sort of what Starfleet means to him mm -hmm. and like why he finds it good and important. He's telling this to Bones and Kirk. And like, there's some stuff in there that's like, oh, like we deliver food and medicine and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, like you get a lot of like Starfleet being bullshit in this fic. And by bullshit, I mean like you get a lot of the like bureaucracy and the sort of rotten parts of it but there's a bit in there basically where pike is like the work we do on the ground in meeting people in sharing things with them it's the real work he says something like uh what we do is important we save lives yes but we make them better by proving that we're willing to share what we know and i thought that emphasis on sort of like trying to connect to me i read it as like an emphasis on connecting with one another and sharing knowledge and finding like common ground and empathy as something being like very important to pike and like why he is still doing this why he cares about all of this and it was making me think about like yeah i don't know i guess like if starfleet was its most ideal self like what would it stand for what would it be doing um and it was it was making me think about the sort of innate goodness of humanity i i don't know my brain went on this little tangent of thinking about weirdly um the beginning of the pandemic when things were obviously very bad and scary and strange and the ways in which i think all three of us saw people in our sort of like little spaces online trying to connect with one another. I'm thinking about people offering like classes and things just sort of be like, everything is horrible and bad. So how can I share what I know and what is important to me to sort of like find connection in someone else to make things a little bit better for someone else? Um, and like, yeah, I don't know that trying to bring out the best in people, I guess. I feel like that's what Pike was like. This is what Starfleet could be. This is what I am fighting for Starfleet to be. It's why I want you to here. It's why I want whatever. And like, we see a lot of Starfleet being not that, but there is something nice to think that there are people who truly believe in, like, the innate goodness of human connection. But I mean human the more, like, connection between beings, I guess.
Yeah, well, it's so interesting. Like, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm not a Star Trek expert. Um, as I was reading this fic, I was definitely thinking about, like, who built Starfleet and, like, what... <sighs> this is also, I think, just a, a sign of jadedness in systems currently i was sitting here like how good can this thing be if the best people are always going to be the cadets who are ground into cannon fodder um and maybe a few of them will work their way up but only in very particular circumstances or very particular reasons like i definitely was reading it and thinking about this like general jadedness i have with institution these days um and how at the center of star trek in general is this institution that positions itself as like good and hopeful and like this this is our optimistic sci-fi <laughs> series right um and so i don't know that felt like it was emblematic of the moment i was just talking to a friend recently about how it feels like um jadedness is becoming hip again and that if you think things are good <laughs> then you're like naive and weak <laughs> which I hate but I've also been feeling it too that like irony that jadedness that tiredness uh, it's a hard world sometimes uh, it seems like harder for uh, James Kirk among others <laughs> <laughs> but it's still tough and so I think for me it was really interesting actually to read this story and to engage with Star Trek fandom like at different times in my life when I definitely have different sentiments um, around possibility and institution and like what how to make a good thing and the kinds of people that are capable of making a good thing um yeah i realized that my ideas on that are a little bit different and i think that was hitting me more as we've been talking i think than as i was reading the fic itself but to be fair i read the fic in a, a mad dash blur if you will as I, I think we all did absolutely i mean something i definitely found myself thinking about a ton in this fic and that i've really been thinking about for the last few years as i've like kind of gone back and engaged with various star trek either shows movies fic at times is like the different representations of starfleet and like what it means and like how it exists and i think a sort of central question that i keep asking myself as a fan of this thing and i am a huge star trek fan like is can this institution that i think fundamentally has good aims can it actually carry those out when it places itself in the guise of such a military institution when so much of itself is militaristic, um, which is something that I fundamentally don't think is good. <laughs> um, and when like, like, how do you ride the line between sort of seeking out other communities and civilizations in, you know, the galaxies and providing them the humanitarian aid that Starfleet endeavors to offer without sort of being a colonizing force. Um, and that's not something that this fic gets into deeply, but that's a thought I have a lot about Star Trek. Um, I mean, even within this fic, they don't do it well Yeah, sometimes. like, I think it's a real problem that it, like, bumps up against a lot as sort of when you send out when when it's when the Enterprise's five-year mission is to, like, explore new worlds, like... What happens when you encounter those, you know, and like, how do you do so in an ethical way? Um, and I think it also brings up the question that I think I've been seeing a lot in like a lot of the media I've been engaging with and like the three of us have been engaging with. It's the same question that I have about, honestly, the Locked Tomb series, the Texcalon series is like, what do you do when you have a few people who are you are rooting for with all your heart 
embroiled in a system that you do not trust. <laughs> um, and I think that is such a question of this fic. Like, this Starfleet in particular is a shitty Starfleet. Like, the only person at the top that we feel like we can trust is Pike. Everyone else where it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe um, so with the surgeon who came back from leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was well, like, who? By me. He's like, he's like more <laughs> like a yeah. I mean, he is at the top, but I feel like he's also like doing his med officer yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, also, we didn't really his... meet him, so we don't actually know how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know for sure. But, um, I don't know. I just like I think not to like keep going on my spiral here, but I feel like that's something that I I find really interesting in in these works and like something that I really appreciated that Switch engaged with and I don't know that it does it perfectly and I think we have some things to talk about later on where it sort of makes some missteps um but I like the fact that it brings up this question of like kind of what do you do with good people in a bad institution um and like can that I feel like the bigger question it it kind of poses itself to ask if there was going to be like a sequel to Switch like more so than the little fix that exists but like is like can these people still like succeed in their aim to do good um like is it even possible within the confines of the institution that they're in like i don't have an answer for that but i think it's one of the most interesting questions to me that can be explored in fiction right now or like one of the most interesting one of the questions i'm most interested in seeing explorations of in fiction i guess also would it be called swap (laughs) oh god maybe But I feel like so often the answer to that question is no, or at least, I don't know, now I'm pulling back to what Nick was saying about sort of being jaded in institutions because that is real and present, is the, like, I feel like, I don't, like, I mean, I was just saying, like, oh, this, like, heartwarming thing Pike was saying, like, it was nice to see that he he felt that way and also in talking about, like, is it possible for, like, good people to change something that is rotten at its core? I feel like the answer is no, or at least, like, that is the way that media usually goes. Like, if you are a good person who's trying to fight against the the powers that be in whatever that system is like you either get ground down or you get kicked out or you get whatever like I don't know and I I do think that as we were saying like Star Trek tries to be like the optimistic space media like I think it tries to posit that there could be other things but it is like I don't know it is tough to think about when like a lot of the Starfleet that we see or a lot of the like yeah the higher ups like you have you have little pockets of good people you have Pike and you have Harry you and his husband who are so good and then like I don't know Kirk's mom who like is not someone that I think I don't would define as like good but does come sort of deus ex Winona comes in at the end <laughs> to be like I can make some things better for our crew but it, it does always feel like you're you're cheering for sort of the ragtag group of people with hearts of gold mm-hmm. that are always going to be butting up against some form of bureaucracy yeah absolutely well, I would just add, I think that there is then the, we, I feel like we could talk this in a trillion circles, because my brain is now going, there is an inherent level of privilege in saying burn it all down. Like, I, I don't want to participate anymore. I don't want to do this. This sucks. There's no way to fix this. It's broken. It can't be fixed. Versus like, what is like the genuine material benefit of like staying in a bad system to chip away at things to make things for the people around you or the people who are not in positions to be able to do that marginally better? I don't think it's a question that has an easy answer. If it did, I think maybe our world would look very different right now. Um, but that's the other thing that comes to mind too of like, okay, so our our characters like whoever right uhura sees this and is like mm, starfleet at the very top i hate and then she bails out how does that make the entire enterprise mission around vulcan look extremely different um it's mm. so hard and it does sometimes feel like a really complicated 
war and like chessboard of minimal gains and losses that can feel grinding and that can feel exhausting. Absolutely. And I think, you know, at its core, again, like Starfleet is an organization, I think, with a optimistic and I mean, for lack of a better term, like good um, mission, Uh, like and uh, to Nick's point, too, like if you were to say, like, fuck Starfleet, burn it all down. What happens to sort of like all the people who are relying on Starfleet at these fringes of the galaxy, you know? Or or another galaxy of the universe. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I don't think, I think especially with something like Starfleet, it is not an simple answer. It is not like this like kind of fascist, like dictatorship leadership where we're like, oh, obviously they're the bad guys, <laughs> you know, like let's get rid of it. It's much more nuanced than that. And I think like, I don't know, I think it's tough too, because I don't know, and this is sort of an un- underdeveloped thing I'm about to say. So I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on it. And like, I'm sure there are people who've like probably written think pieces and things about this that I could go read. And I'm just kind of coming to it from my own mishmash of thoughts. But I think Star Trek also, like when you watch original series that is very optimistic. And I think, you know, we can look back and also have a critique leveled against Starfleet in that series for sure. But I also think with the popularity of other sci-fi series, like I'm just going to use, for example, Star Wars, like this is not supposed to be a Star Wars versus Star Trek kind of argument, but like with the rise of other things where it's so much more clear cut, like bad versus good, um, like emp- evil empire versus like good rebels, like even like the AOS, like the reboot movies buy into that more like it buys into more of the like we want big battle scenes we want a clear-cut like evil guy like some of the original series is very like mm, philosophical musings for 40 minutes <laughs> brought to you by spock you know <laughs> like and like the weird alien god that they just encountered like it's not there obviously is violence and there obviously are like bad versus good episodes but like i think that's become so much of what we expect in these big blockbuster sci-fi movies is having these very like grandiose and like very militaristic too. I feel like I feel like more and more with like current Star Trek shows, they are more and more militaristic than I maybe I remember original series being. I haven't watched it in a little while, so like obviously they have their phasers and obviously they have security and stuff, but like Original series compared to, like, I don't know, Strange New Worlds and stuff, like, Strange New Worlds feels much more militaristic. And, like, this fic feels very militaristic. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's another another element of this sort of conversation for me, too, is not just, like, what are the aims of Starfleet, but what were the aims of, like, original series Starfleet versus, like, all of the iterations of Starfleet that so many different writers have written that we now have to sort of cobble together to become one cohesive holistic starfleet is that even possible like i don't know yeah plus take your own spin on it because you're your own author and you have your own exciting ideas about how you want to do things it gets so complicated but i do love fundamentally that in this fic starfleet is this flawed entity and i think one of the lines that really jumped out at me was when uh, mccoy is talking to OC Harry Harry Yu, who we love. Um, we do. He, he's a great guy. And he says, make no mistake, McCoy, he said, if George Kirk had lived, if he'd managed to find a way to save his crew and himself, he wouldn't be the poster boy for Starfleet. Starfleet, Starfleet likes their heroes best when they're dead. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, banger. 
banger line. <laughs> um, so I don't know. We have so much more to talk about with this <laughs> effect that I want to keep going down this this rabbit hole. But that was just something that I really was thinking about a lot in the last like two days as I uh, just mainlined this piece of fan fiction. Well, I feel like when you're living the day in, day out, more or less of two plus years of Bones's life at this academy, it gives us the space to dig into like, okay, what presentation of Starfleet is it giving us? What questions is it giving us about institutions and empire and all of these things about space exploration? Like, I think with a a fic that is literally novel length, it, yeah, I don't know, it gives you more things two to dig into, more lengths. questions to ask. <laughs> two, two novels yeah, worth of much. fan fiction thoughts about Starfleet, but there's obviously like a lot of really like interesting and compelling stuff. Yeah, I do think this fic engages with a lot of different questions that are complicated, uh, particularly about culture in ways that I think it didn't always feel like it stuck the landing on for me, especially from 2022. Um, for me, there were really two things that stood out to me. Um, and one of them, we didn't mention it as a content warning because I think it's a little bit nebulous. Um, but there was what I thought a, a pretty tough portrayal of a Muslim woman. So let's let's back up a little bit one of our ocs i think in this fic is mm -hmm. patty our girl um she's a psychiatrist with starfleet and she and bones become friends very quickly um somewhat early on in the fic when bones is pining over jim and patty is pining over this woman shore so both of them are like oh yeah like they want to be with other people they don't want to be with me they commiserate about like where on the kinsey scale their crushes are crushes whatever flings um depending on their context and we find out that shore's family arranged a marriage with a man um that shore herself we never get anything from her uh, we only get Patty's descriptions of what has happened, where Shore said that she like was going to go through with the marriage but still wanted to see Patty, where Shore was like being duplicitous and trying to see both of them. Shore eventually gets pregnant and they break things off eventually at the very end there. I really struggled with this portrayal. Um, it felt quite unfair to this character that is named but never really gets a voice at all on screen. Um, so that was just that was just one piece that I struggled with of like one of our only characters of color that's not an alien <laughs> um, being portrayed in this way. There are there are some others, but in terms of like main cast, I think things, a lot of the um, oh no, you're KFF right, the KFF. characters like that's the so vast true. majority the are depicted as characters of no, color. You're so right, this author did a better job just, than um, <laughs> putting that Star out there Trek really filmmakers. <laughs> I was thinking like bridge cast and stuff. No, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Regardless, I just struggled with that portrayal um of Shoda as like a evil villain who's like doing all these machinations. And the other piece was Bone spends a good portion of this fic trying to and eventually succeeding in creating a cure for what's called what is it the Capellan hemorrhagic fever? Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Um so there's a nation called a nation, a planet called Capella 4, where they abide by, I guess, what we might call quote-unquote natural selection principles. Uh, they don't really use modern medicine per Starfleet, um, and they have rejected offers of like medical aid for various reasons. And there is this specific fever, the specific disease um, that there is no known cure for. So Bones takes that on as his own project, um, 
primarily as we understand it to kind of assuage the guilt of losing his father and not being able to uh, cure him. And also partially it seems like to take his mind off of Jim because that has been just complicated and his pining has been complicated. Um, And the way that Bones in this fic frames conversations about uh, the people on Capella 4 and the fact that they will not accept Starfleet aid to me really felt like a tough allegory around like Western intrusions upon indigenous cultures. Um, I think there are different ways to read it. I also think that as a doctor, it would make sense that Bones feels frustrated and like conflicted about not being able to like give a cure that he feels will be used for a disease that he knows to be deadly and experiences himself and only barely survives. Spoilers, we've been spoiling everything. Don't worry about it. Um, but it, the portrayal of that did rub me the wrong way as I was reading. So I just wanted to flag those couple of things um, because they do feel relevant to some of the conversations that we've had. And I think that this fic just tries to engage a lot. And I think a lot of it is successful. And those two instances felt less successful for me. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is an incredibly long fic. I mean, as we keep saying, this is longer than, I mean, this is basically two regular sized novels put together. And I'm sure that this person had beta readers, but they did not have a full team of editors or sensitivity readers or anything. And it was written in 2011. So I just kind of want to throw that acknowledgement out there, even though, even as I very much agree with Nick's reading of this as well. Um, I think the part about the about Capella 4 and the Capellan hemorrhagic fever for me, like, on the one hand, it makes so much sense for Bones as a character to be invested in finding a cure for this. Like that, I feel like fundamentally, I thought was a great choice for this. And I, I honestly love the like her comfort aftermath of him getting sick. Glad you didn't die, Bones. Um, like, I feel like for me, that's, it's kind of one of the places where this fic really picks up pace and really like grabbed me and was like we're on this ride now and I was like hell yeah fic like let's go (laughs) you know so I feel like in some ways I'm very thankful for what it was doing with Bones engaging with um the that science and like how it played out but I definitely agree that like I think Bones's views like the problem is I'm not even quite sure like necessarily what the author wanted me to take away from it. As a reader, I didn't really agree with Bones. Was I supposed to agree yeah, with Bones? Was I not supposed part. to agree with Bones? Like, I feel like that's the tough part. And I think, you know, I'm not expecting every book or every piece of fan fiction I read to spell that out for me. And I don't necessarily agree. Or I don't necessarily need to have a character, like a main character who I agree with on every point. Like, I, I am happy to have a main character I disagree with on things. I think... For me, this could have potentially been improved if another character had sort of pushed back more against Bones' views on that, and we'd sort of had a different side of the argument, even if we kind of feel that Bones is on maybe the quote-unquote, like, wrong side of it. Um, I don't know. I don't want to, like... Author, if you're listening, we really loved your fic. Um, But yeah, I feel like that was definitely a a kind of point where it, it brought in something that is also like a very huge discussion like there are many points at which this fic engages with concepts of both like darwinianism and eugenics and just sort of like how much do we intervene in like who gets to live and who gets to die and like honestly on a huge scale that's kind of what this fic is asking who gets to live and who gets to die you know And I think it's incredibly ambitious for asking those questions and like Nick said I think in many ways it engages with those incredibly successfully and I think in some it makes a few missteps
One of my favorite things that I thought this fic did super well was its portrayal of immersive settings. Obviously, a ton of this fic takes place at Starfleet. We get like different descriptions of the different like dorms that Bones is put in. Um, I loved at one point his little quip about how like he has a single dorm and thank God because he thinks he would lose his mind if he had to room with like a <laughs> traditional college aged freshman. And I was like, yeah, that's super fair. Um, he's in his late 20s and then turns 30 uh, later on in the fic. Um, so we get a lot of scenes at Starfleet. We get a lot of scenes in different places in Starfleet. Um, and also nearby, there's a bar called Finnegan's that they go to a ton that Jim works as like a, a bouncer, I guess, at <laughs> pretty much. I think so. I also drink there yeah. a lot. It's fine. I think he, I think he does many things. Like he kind of works as like back of house staff yeah, and then like bouncer around. and yeah. Yeah. Patron. 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 Definitely patron. <laughs> a very important job of yes. his. <laughs> uh, we get scenes in the laboratory uh, as Bones is working on the cure. There's all kinds of really interesting things, and obviously on the Enterprise as well, like in the med bay and everything. But my favorite setting in this whole fic was Georgia. Georgia, Georgia! USA. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> you Georgia, Georgia we love you. <laughs> I guess all the ficlets in Georgia make some noise, please. Wasn't it the Georgia fan cam set to like twice that came out during the election? Hold on. Oh, oh I know what you mean. I Georgia know what you mean. <laughs> My brain was going like Georgia by Phoebe yeah. Bridgers set to no, twice. No, when, when Georgia was really yes. pivotal in the 2020 election, a fan cam to twice yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, familiar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Leonard, Leonard McCoy Bones is from Georgia in this fic and maybe canonically. I don't know. Um, don't ask me. Regardless, in Switch, he is definitely from Georgia. Um, this fic does deal a lot with family and like intergenerational family concerns and considerations, and Bones' family is rooted in Georgia. Um, I loved the scenes there. It felt like such an interesting, believable, kind of rural, set apart from the hyper sort of modernism that you get in Starfleet. Um, it's so cool and it's so peaceful and he has an ill-tempered horse named Saturn that he rides uh, and his grandma is the best and there is a lot of grief there and there are a lot of hard memories there for him but it also does feel like a place of important healing. Uh, we get to come back to Georgia multiple times on this fic and I loved it so much. Um, I guess maybe especially because it takes Bones a while to even feel like not terrified at the idea of going up into space. <laughs> Um, and Georgia feels like the setting on Earth where his feet are most rooted on the ground, and he's able to kind of be in touch with the part of himself that is not going to be yeeted up in a metal death canister. Um, love that for him. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It felt like a realistic portrayal of like family life in general, and just a really like immersive experience when you're there. Very sensory. Um, so good. I really loved it. Yeah, I said this in my pre-discussion notes to you both, but, like, Georgia felt so vivid and real and warm. Like, the the scene setting in this entire fic is obviously phenomenal. Like, the level of detail really makes you feel grounded in it all. But, like, I agree that Georgia was my favorite place to be. Um, I do just briefly, okay, we have to shout out Graham. We love yes. her so mm -hmm. much. Miss um, Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Her. She is, yeah, Bones' grandmother, who is so funny. I want to just read, like, a, a very small snippet, just, like, one interaction, just to give you a sense, you, the ficklets, a sense of her, her voice. Um, 
Jim had been taking a drink, which he mostly inhaled. Bullshit, he croaked. Sorry. Don't apologize, dear, Graham said placidly. Swearing well is an acquired skill that increases with age. Just keep practicing and you'll do better next time. Like, we love her. she's so, she's so funny and sharp and she's so like upfront with Bones about being like, ho, 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 what is this thing you have going on with Jim? And he's like, Graham, stay out of my business. But she simply <laughs> will not. Um, but I think one of the things that I loved the most about Georgia was the way that it changed for Bones over the course of the fic. Like, it was a place he was kind of running from. Like, he, his grandmother's great. We love Graham. And then his grandfather, Ted, a little tougher there. Um uh because like both of his grandparents they lost both of their kids being bones's father and his uncle like there's yeah there's a lot of like family death there's a lot of like again like intergenerational trauma things happening there ted is quite i don't want to say cruel necessarily but he's very mean and hostile to bones it doesn't he doesn't want to be in georgia it feels like a weird place for him and then it comes around to his 30th birthday and that whole bit that makes me oh i have so many emotions um, where basically Graham is like, Ted is off world for two weeks. Bones, my grandson, you are coming home for a significant chunk of time. We will be celebrating your birthday. You don't get to say shit about it. And he's like, okay, I guess. Um, Jim, uh, Kirk has been up in space doing like a little, I don't remember. He's on an assignment basically. And he's been in space for a while. And like Bones is not exactly sure when he'll get back. And then surprise, Graham and Kirk had been communicating and she basically gets him out to Georgia as a surprise for Bones's birthday. And that's like the first time they kiss for real, not including when Bones was literally on his deathbed. And they like, okay, okay. Since we were talking about the slow burn of this fic, you get the kiss where like Kirk sees him after not seeing him for like over two months and he kisses him and then they get interrupted by Saturn the horse. Incredible. Um, and at first I was like, was that it? Was that their first kiss? I'm going to be so mad about it. Uh, but then Bones is like, okay. Like he's like reflecting on it and he's like, okay, well, let's see what Kirk does about this. Like, is he going to ignore it? Is he going to pretend like everything's fine? And he's like, actually, I am not, I'm not letting him do that. So like Bones starts like kind of playing his own games and they like keep kissing, but then keep like not really talking about it. And everything is so, oh my God. It's like. <laughs> You think the slow burn is over, but it's not. You've still got like 60 more K-ish before they mm -hmm. come even remotely close to actually addressing feelings. Even though Bones is so like present and aware of how he's feeling, he knows that he loves Kirk and he also knows that like Kirk is going to be so skittish about it. Like the horse. There's so many <laughs> metaphors. It's so fucking good. Everything that happens in Georgia makes me gourdless. Yeah, that moment of their sort of first, like, their, like, real first kiss in Georgia, like, I am, like, reverted back to my teenage self, just <laughs> lying on my bed, kicking my feet, being like, <laughs> like, oh, that's, it's the slow burn moment of my dreams. And then, I mean, obviously, it drags on and on and on after that, like, but... Oh, it's so good. That's so good. Because it's also like, you don't really necessarily see it coming right then. Like, you know, that they're going to get back to their sort of will they, won't they? Um, as soon as they're like reconnected. But I, I, I don't know. It's so good. Um, also, I think it was such a wise move on the author's part to sort of make Georgia both, as Nick said, like this place where uh, Bones feels very grounded, but it's also this like tough place for him to be at the beginning, as Reed alluded to. And like, I think it was very needed for this fic that, like, Bones also had stuff that he needed to heal from. It could not be, a, like, a Bones is doing great and Kirk is effed up, you know? Like, if, like, I've read fics like that and it's, like, not, I don't know, it's not 
I do not really enjoy reading it when like one character is like, I have an A plus mental health and everything in my life is lovely. And the other person is like drowning. Um, I know that that happens in real life, but it's not, I don't know. I don't think it's really realistic. It doesn't to have a person seem who's like, sustainable as a dynamic. No. So I really like that there were like these things that Bones also kind of had to deal with throughout this fic. And I'm like, it felt so rewarding for Georgia to sort of be converted back to this place that he could feel at home and stable in this way. And like, I also really like that he had to face his fears of space, you know, like, I don't know if there were some moments in that where I could just hear my own therapist's voice in my head as Bones was saying stuff. Um, I was like, I really think I literally wrote myself a note that was like, okay, Bones, I see your obsessive rumination. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like Bones' trauma in this fic is, like, very present and not quite to the same extent that Kirk's is, but, like, I think this sort of journey that he goes on of, like, reclaiming Georgia as, like, home with a capital H is, like, it's so rewarding as a reader. And one reason I think their relationship works so well and that it does feel really satisfying and earned when they start to kind of slowly come together towards the end there is because we have seen them on the level of friendship, um, very close friends, but friendship, they have supported each other through so many different things um, and found so many different ways to kind of communicate. They also fight with each other a decent amount. Um, and I really liked that. I don't know. I think it is in a lot of ways a sign of a healthy relationship when you're able to like disagree or even fight with somebody and there's not that knee-jerk fear that they're going to drop you. Um, and so I think for that reason and also, you know, like Kirk as a frankly quite good exposure therapist uh, helping Bones feel more comfortable going up into space. Bones being like such a safe harbor for Jim to come back to. Like they spend a lot of time not sexually, like just like sleeping together in this fic, like a ton actually. Um, Bones as Jim's doctor, which is such an interesting dynamic there. Um, they know each other and have known each other in so many different ways and in so many different contexts that by the time we get to this romantic and sexual relationship towards the end of the story it's like yeah this was kind of the logical next step for these two specifically for reasons that we have gotten to see over and over and over again up to this point it felt like such a realistic portrait of what it might have taken over years and it was almost like indulgent to get to see all of the Mm. steps up to that point because most stories would not do that i as an author would not i couldn't i don't have this kind of stamina (laughs) i need this author to tell me how they did this i have no idea um so yeah i just think it was really effective to give us so many different snapshots and also so many similar recursive snapshots over time of these two as two people in relationship with each other at different stages across time. Well, something I think off of what both of you were saying is like something that's very fundamental to Bones's character is being a healer. And it's funny because it, it almost feels like it contrasts a little bit with his like outward personality. He's like gruff. He scares all the interns. He I don't want to say he like acts like he doesn't care because that's not true. But like he doesn't seem like, ooh, the like altruistic like uh nurturing type he's like, like he's not gonna like he is exactly like <laughs> sorry the face that Brendan just made <laughs> um no like 
he can be gruff and seem kind of imposing in that way. But like it also so deeply matters to him that he heals and takes care of people and not just because he's uh, trying to get over the guilt of like not being able to heal his father. Like it's just because he cares that's something he wants to do. Um, I think even uh, Ambassador Spock, older Spock, when he's talking to Bones about the ways he is both similar and different from the bones that uh Spock like Ambassador Spock knew says something to the effect of like your compassion is at the core of who you are like despite like your best attempts to hide it or something um but there is a bit when Bones is talking to Patty where he basically says like I know that I can't heal Kirk and like as much as I want to like as much as my instinct is to try to help him fix like the sort of intrinsic parts of him that are broken like I can't do that for both of our sakes like that's not healthy that's not good like that wouldn't work and I thought that was so good too like I don't know Bren back to what you're saying like when one character is like I have my shit together and the other one's like oh no like I'm a mess like they're both a mess and they are both helping each other and they're both helping each other heal and grow but it's not assuming responsibility for like the sole mental care of the other and it's also recognizing I think like healthy limits and boundaries and that I thought was just like phenomenally executed Absolutely. I mean, I think what both of you were just saying, like both of your points about the like not being the sole responsibility and also like Nick's point about just how well this fic sort of uh, executes the concept of like checking in with these two characters and all of their sort of permutations of their relationship over these years are both things that I see so many fics try and do. And this one does it so well. And I will say like, I don't know that the pacing throughout all 230,000 words of this fic was the best for me. Again, I think that's something that, like, if this fic had gone through, like, a book editing process, some of that probably would have been altered a bit. But it's also fan fiction, and I can't judge it on those same standards, even though obviously this author worked incredibly hard on it. We know um, it would have been edited, I do th- and it's just everything that was left out of Star Trek 2009. Right. Right. <laughs> but I think, like... um Chapter two, like the middle portion of this fic is where it really hits its stride for me. And when sort of it just starts to gel and it really starts to like chug along <laughs> um, in a super satisfying way. So like if you do have a, like a real interest in reading this fic and you're feeling a little bit like ah at the beginning, <laughs> like are we going through every day of Bones's life? Like kind of. But <laughs> I do think if you have it within yourself to kind of keep going and get to chapter two, it's worth doing so because um it like really picks up the pace. And I think it's when you start to like really see the payoff of setting everything up so diligently. Um, Because this fic does so much to like set the groundwork for things that will come later. And I think to that point, like something that I think this fic did that I didn't necessarily think about that much when I was first reading it or like when I was reading it just now, but like I'm thinking about more as we discuss it and I kind of sit with it is a ton of what it does in the first chapter and a half to kind of have Kirk and Bones work through a lot of this grief and trauma and like kind of come to understand what healthy relationships need to look like not just with each other but with like other side characters as well and like just what they want out of the relationships in their life like sets the stage so well for when they actually encounter our main Enterprise crew, which doesn't happen until like towards the end of the second chapter. Um, I mean, we know Nyota, like Uhura, earlier but we don't meet like spock or scotty or sulu or chekhov until like 
towards the end of the second chapter when they get on the Enterprise, as it happens in the movie. Um, and I think particularly for uh, sort of the minor but, like, obviously important canon relationship between Kirk and Spock here, like, knowing the conversations that Kirk has had with Bones, knowing how he's kind of had to wrestle, like, Kirk has had to wrestle internally with a lot of what he's gone through, hits you so hard as a reader when you sort of know that Spock has watched Vulcan get destroyed and then the actions Kirk takes in its aftermath, or at least it did for me. Um, And like, not even to look at those two as like a romantic pairing in this fic, but like literally just to know that they are going to go on to like lead the Enterprise together for all of these years and have to develop a working relationship and friendship together to know like what must be sort of resonating through Kirk's mind when watching Spock lose everything i don't know that was like really powerful to me um in this fic because it's not really like addressed directly but i think it's one of the things that like if you know canon like you really see it it's enough to make a sperkster lose their gourd brenna <laughs> i suppose sure or just like make make a girl named brenna really sad about oh, spock well, that too. <laughs> bren in what you were saying about um how sort of the first chapter and a half of this fic lays the groundwork for so many things, and including sort of the larger cast of characters. That was something I absolutely adored about this fic. We talked about it a little bit in, in our previous amount of discussion so far, but I think it just did phenomenal work with its OCs and like the sheer amount of them. Like there are so, uh, like OCs and also I think maybe lesser known characters, lesser known to me, Gala. I didn't, ooh, didn't realize for a while that she was, like, a canonical Star Trek character that we met on screen, yeah, but that's Reed, okay. Yeah, come on. Reed, sure, come well, on. I sure Reed. love her in this fic. Reed. But, okay. Anyway, I just, like, yeah, okay, so this fic sets up so many OCs. There's, like, Kirk's little group of people from his, like, intro to fighting class that becomes so important to me and my heart and my well-being, but... You see that payoff in, like, the larger ways in which Bones and Kirk, like, exist in the world, the relationships they ha- they have outside of each other, outside of the Enterprise crew, etc. And also in the real emotional gut punch of the events of the first movie happening, um, because a lot of Starfleet gets blown up and killed by the Romulans, and, like, there are a lot of names of people on the list of the dead or the injured or the whatever that you have spent a significant chunk of this fic with. Um, a lot of those kids from from the KFF, from that fighting class that Jim was teaching, um, you have Gala, who... Okay, I just need to talk about one bit that made me, like... The the one and only point that I, like, legitimately teared up at this fic was about her. You need to her. finish your sentence, because you're going to make the ficlets think she died. She doesn't die, <laughs> but she comes close. On the edge of my seat and... here. <laughs> okay, so she... Um, She's friends with Kirk and Bones. She is Uhura's roommate. They're very close. She's very, like, flirty with the both of them. She offers Bones and Kirk threesomes, like, many times, which they turn down every time. But, like, she's not deterred. Good for her. Um, she's an Orion. She's, like, a an alien species. She's one of the only Orions, like, in all of Starfleet. Um, they just, they have, like, a very interesting friendship. Like, she kind of comes in and out of the fic at different points. But, um... One of Kirk's big things, which is present in the movie, is that he's trying to beat the Kobayashi Maru, and he can't because it's a no-win situation. And he's like, absolutely, fuck this. I hate this. 
Um, and he basically, quote unquote, alters the parameters. He hacks it so that he can win it on his like third try or whatever. But he does that, at least in this fic, by sort of taking advantage of Gala and the access that she has to the program. So you don't find any of this out until Gala was in the attack against the Romulans. She is um, on life support, base, not life support, but she's, they're not sure if she's going to make it. She has been heavily injured. She has like a lot of radiation poisoning. Um, and from Bones POV, you get Uhura like reaming Kirk out, basically being like, she was crying, blah, blah, blah. And you know that something went bad between them, but you don't know what. And in the in the aftermath of the attack, um, Bones finds Kirk and he says, he like basically admits to like using Gala and her access. And he says, um, after I won, Gala came to see me. I think I would have felt better if she'd punched me or kicked me in the balls or something. But she said to me, I thought you were my friend. She said, I told you that I loved you because I thought you were my friend and we weren't allowed to have friends because a friend would be your peer and I wasn't allowed peers. Which, like, huh, awful. And so Kirk is sitting by her bedside just, like, racked with guilt. And when she wakes up, like, because you have Sen, who is one of the kids, uh, one of the KFF kids who, like, was trapped with her when they were floating in a bit of debris. And he he is awake and he is saying to Kirk, like, she kept saying, like, I have someone on the Enterprise and I know that he's going to come rescue us. And when she wakes up, like, one of the first things that she says, like, to, like, send, but also to Kirk, she's like, I told him my friend Kirk or, like, my friend Jim was coming. And, like, my friend Jim made me tear up so <laughs> much. Oh, oh, my God. I mean, like, what a heart-wrenching yeah, scene. But, like, that's so good. would any of that had have hit nearly as much if I hadn't spent, like, again like 200k getting to know her and kirk and the depth of their relationship and all of the twists and turns had been through no like in any other fic i feel like that confession with the like ooh, i used her to like hack her thing like she called me a friend and i misused her trust it'd be like a throwaway line just like more guilt for kirk to have oh no look at all of these things but like it hit so fucking hard because you had spent so much time with her because this author had put so much love and care into like all of the relationships that went beyond just Bones and Kirk. Yeah. Well, this fic feels to me like one of one of the very few, because of its length, that I've read that felt like the number of people in Bones's life and our main character's life was actually accurate to like the number of people that you bump up against in real life in your day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. There's people that are more present earlier on. There's people that are more present later on. There's people that come in and out of his life. There's people that he knows through other people. And they are named and we get to know them too over the course of this story. You wouldn't be able to do that in much less space uh, here. But I think Gail is one of those characters that could have been much less developed. But because we got a decent amount of her, it worked so, so well in this case. Um, and I just appreciated that. I'm so often someone who's like, give characters more friends. People have friends in life, usually, <laughs> oftentimes. <laughs> and acquaintances and like, Co-workers oh, here's someone I don't really know, but I want. I know he's one of like the, the first years who follows Jim around. Mm -hmm. Like we have this one connection point. Right. Like, Yeah, it's just I, I appreciated that a lot. It made the world feel quite big, uh, which felt so appropriate to a story about outer space. Yeah, I think, like, along with that, just, like, the detail work of this fic is so good. It, like, manages to do a ton of world building in an already very built and established world, um, which might kind of sound like a strange thing to say. But, like, we don't necessarily know, like, what is Academy life like, and it builds that out so well. It's so meticulous and detailed with, like, 
uh, Bones' actual medical studies and, like, surgical work and things. And I don't know, it's just incredibly good at that stuff. And I feel like that's something that I'm more and more gravitated to in fic is, like, have you made your world a convincing place for me to be as a reader? And, like, if you have, I am way more likely to like it regardless of anything else. I agree with that. I also had, I think, just really one more thing that I wanted to say um, in the amount of space that we have. If we had more time, I would say more things. But um, I think one note I wanted to make that it feels like also relevant just to this podcast in general is that I, not since I was quite young, um, haven't really had an OTP in a fandom, if you will, my one true pairing that I'll only read shipped with each other. I know for some people that is like a very important part of fandoming, like these two together and like this is where my heart is. I am someone who like regardless of what the canon content looks like, regardless of what the fic landscape looks like, like I'm always like interested and excited by the idea of being convinced by a ship within a story. I did not come out of Star Trek 2009 going, oh my god, Jim Bones, let's go, Jim <laughs> Bones Nation. Um, that wasn't really my initial thought. So I think for me, like getting to read a story like this, where I didn't really have any preconceived notions of what it would mean for them to get together, and then getting to watch it happen so slowly in such a realistic way, it was just really satisfying and really nice. And I think one reason that I have been able to kind of maintain my fanishness for so long is because I really enjoy seeing what people are up to. I get very curious. I'm like, what's going on over here? What's going on over there? Oh, you're shipping these two? What on earth? I want to see the vision too. I get excited. Um, and so it is really cool to get a snapshot into an author who's like, you know what? I could make this work and getting to watch them make it work. It's such a pleasure. And this fic feels like a really strong example of why I enjoy doing that and what the payoff can be like. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that there are things that all of us could continue talking about at length. Um referring back to our third anniversary episode if we ever do like a 24-hour live stream maybe we'll just talk more about switch for part of that live stream um because yeah when you have a fic of this of this length with this amount of detail and love and care put into it like obviously we could talk for hours and hours and hours but that would probably not be very fun for you to listen to and also at some point i think we all would deteriorate in our quality of conversation um so I think this is where we are going to call it for this discussion of the fandom classic Switch. Um, wow. A truly, I feel like an author's testament to love for a fandom for, um, as you said, Nick, seeing a vision and then like seeing that vision through to fruition and, and pushing it onto other people being like, here's my gospel, read it, please. And like, you did a good job. You pitched not only this ship, but like, the world of Star Trek that you wanted to show, I think, was pitched very well. Um, yeah, I know all of us really enjoyed it, um, even as I think, again, the like least Trekkie amongst the three of us. Um, I can easily see, even though I was not really in fandom, I can see why so many people latched onto this fic, found it such a pivotal, huge thing, because it is such a huge thing. Um, I really enjoyed getting to, to discuss it with the two of you. I don't know if you have any other wrap-up thoughts that you would like to share. I love Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds great, my co-hosts. Let's go to the outro.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of FitClick. It was really good, so I hope you enjoyed it and agree. Uh, if you need more FitClick in your life, if this was not enough FitClick, you've already listened to our entire backlog twice, then you should absolutely be following us on social media. Uh, we are FitClick on Twitter. We are available via email if you want to send us an email, uh, fitclickpod at gmail.com. We've got a pop-in Discord server that you can access via our Twitter. Uh, highly recommend jumping in there for multi-fanish fun, joy, love, passion, desire, and fic. If you'd like to wrap a fit click in your everyday life, we do have some merch up on Redbubble. You can find that through our Twitter. Um, if you would like to uh, rep fit click to people you don't know on the internet, um, we'd love it if you did so. You can do so in your own personal way or through a review on a platform like Apple Podcasts. And if you want to support fit click financially, we do now have a Ko-Fi. If you'd like to support us there, all donations just go towards hosting costs and improvements to the pod. We are currently in one of our favorite and also busiest times of year um, with our annual Wreck Exchange. Pew, 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 pew. If you are new here, a very short recap of the Wreck Exchange is basically that you sign up, you tell us some fandoms you would like to receive some Fic Wrecks for, some fandoms that you can offer Fic Wrecks for, and we will match you accordingly. At this time, uh, signups are open for a little over a week. Signups will close on November 20th. So, um, you know, get get thinking, get signing up. It is really, really fun. Um, every year we have a very, very, very long master list of all of the recommendations that were given throughout the event. Um, plenty of good reading material there for you. You can find more info about that um, on our Twitter and on our Tumblr. Yes, we do still use our Tumblr pretty much only for rec exchange at this point, And that's valid of us. Um, it really is such a wonderful event. We're so excited about it. We have so much fun with it every year. Um, so yeah, if and if you already know about the Rec Exchange and you've been sort of delaying, procrastinating in your sign up, do it. Do, do it, it now. Do Wait. it because you're gonna forget, and we're gonna you're we're gonna put out an announcement. Just do it right now. Pause this really quick. Do it right now, and then come back and listen to the last maybe thirty seconds of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a little treat, you can hear whatever our whack outro yeah. is. Because you know that it's going to hit November 19th, mm. and we're going to put out our one day left, and you're going to go, oh shit, I've been putting off my sign up. And we're going to go, yeah, bestie, get Instead, it in. Instead, you could go, mm -hmm. ah, I already did it. Exactly. Good job. Welcome back from signing up. <laughs> <laughs> we're so proud of you and excited to have you as part of our record change this year. And if now you're feeling guilty because you didn't actually go do it, go <laughs> do, do it. it. <laughs> My fic for this episode is The Seventh Test by My Lord, She's a Cactus, and it is an original work with a femme slash pairing of original characters. Brenna? My pick for next episode is The Art of Negotiation by Language Escapes. Uh, this is a gen fic for the TV show Elementary, and it follows Sherlock and Joan. Reed, how about you? My pick is I Stop to Smell the Blood in the Trees, and for a moment the world is so beautiful it brings me to tears by Perennials, and it is for Breath of the Wild. We're going back to Reed's video game corner. You can look forward to hearing about all of those fics on November 25th. Hey, figlets. To infinity and beyond. Bye! Hey, figlets. Um, I'm gonna hopefully live long and prosper. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> you stole what I was gonna say, Reed! <laughs> figlets, are you ready for Space, The Final Frontier? The voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission 
to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, and for us to go together where no man has gone before. Mm-hmm.